0: You're listening to the Red Wave Report, the number one rated Fresno State podcast, the official free podcast of theBarkmore.com. The thoughts and opinions are that of the show hosts and in no way reflect the thoughts and opinions of the university. Welcome back, everyone, to another edition of the Red Wave Report. I'm Lucio Reef, your host of the show, being joined, as always, by Jackson Moore. And Jackson, again, is in studio for the second week in a row. A lot of you were uh, liked it that he was here, so we're doing it again. Um, and, uh, yeah, Jackson, how are you doing today? I know you just came from uh, Fresno State practice. How did things go over there?
1: Yeah, practice has got a little bit of different vibe this week because they're in the stadium, which hasn't happened since like fall camp, so... A little bit different. Uh, it rained pretty good uh, Tuesday morning yesterday, so uh, I don't think the practice field in very good shape in that pumping basin. So uh, they're in the stadium getting ready. Um, it's a good preview of the weather because it should be just about the same at San Jose this week as it is in Fresno. It's that time of year. So um, now it feels like I mean, you're getting ready for a game day in the Bay Area out of practice right now. The players and the coaches are all still pretty fired up about this rivalry. But, A little bit worried, you know, just the fact that Fresno State was really trying to attack Boise State last week, trying to avenge that 2021 loss, get the milk can trophy back. And now, I mean, that San Jose State this week, they got blown out last time Fresno State came to town, and they haven't won that B trophy in a few years. So now the Bulldogs are on the other side, they've got to maintain that aggressiveness. I think I'm seeing that in practice this week, expecting a a close game here at this spot. Absolutely,
0: and I and I heard somewhere that uh, you know Fresno State was going to take that milk can and, and just fill it up with some you know, some milk and just share it around with everybody. Uh, but it's uh, it's definitely uh, it's glad, I'm glad to see the milk can back in Fresno. Uh, I think it's been a while since we've seen that thing here. Uh, the game was uh, let's just say that game was really entertaining uh unlike the the previous week where i was ready to just you know uh exit left here um <laughs> but this this game really lived up to the hype there was a lot of uh, going back and forth it ended up almost turning into a shootout but the bulldogs seemed to be on another level uh defensively than boise state right jackson
1: yeah it was the perfect combination of exciting, uh, close game, yet the Bulldogs never trailed. So <laughs> there was never that extreme nervousness, you know. And, um, I mean, really what broke it open was that kick return by Malik Sherrod, of course. I mean, Boise State cuts it down to a, a three-score game, and they're going to get the ball to start the third quarter. And who knows, maybe they take the lead. Instead, Sherrod breaks it to the house. and <laughs> Just a, one of the most exciting plays I've seen in Valley Children's Stadium when you put all the context together. I mean... If he gets tackled at the one yard line, that's zero points, and it's yeah. halftime. So, which got pretty close to happening with the kicker running in there at the end. So, um, I mean, all around, the Bulldogs played pretty solid. Um, played. I was really happy with the offense coming out in the first half and slinging it around. Right. <laughs> uh, I'm like, where has this team been all all year <laughs> yeah. long? I mean, they they
0: took a, a a lot of shots downfield, something they haven't been doing. All season, I don't know if they were just waiting for Boise to do it or they saw something that they could exploit in Boise. Um, But they were taking a lot of shots downfield and it was a welcome sight. (laughs) I I hate the fact that they weren't... The last few weeks has been a lot of checkdowns happening. Uh, I don't know if coverage has been rolled correctly or what was going on. Uh, But um, they took their shots and they took them early and they were almost... connected on two of those. One got all the way for a touchdown. The other one, Fresno State just dropped it. I mean, that thing was, it was there. He should have caught that one.
1: Yeah, and, you know, Boise State, we talked about it during the week. Their run defense has been really good, and their pass defense statistically has not been great. So, you know, it sounds like an easy idea to come out and sling the ball around, but (laughs) for the Bulldogs, when they've tried to do that in the past, Mikey's usually getting slammed or he's running for his life. So uh, a lot of kudos for this game deserve to be to the O-line for letting him not just execute the passing game, but really have all day to throw. I mean, there was a lot of those passes. I mean, he was just sitting back there way longer than he needed to be, even on some cases and even some passes that didn't get converted. I mean, he had all day to decide whether he was going to even try it or not. So, uh, I mean, that was a story about almost the whole first half. And then once they got that lead, they really tried to pound it and, to varied success, but eventually Sherrod broke that last one. So, um, and I'm sure the way that they threw the ball around allowed them to run it a little bit better in the second half. So I really like the game plan they came out with on offense and executed it pretty darn well.
0: Oh, yeah. Uh, and, and of course, um, just as we thought special teams was going to play a huge part in this game, and it did. Uh, Sherrod's long return uh, for a touchdown right before half uh, I believe there was another long return uh, to set up the Bulldogs uh, e- uh, late in the game as well. I mean, there there was a number of things happened. The 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 punt almost being blocked by Fresno State. And, and then, of course, on Boise's side, the fake punt to get the first down. Um, so special teams did play a huge part in this game. Um and uh, usually the special teams that makes the most plays is usually the team that wins and it, it favored the Fresno state quite a bit on that side, right Jackson?
1: Yeah. I mean, there's no top in the charade play and <laughs> um, Lavelle Bailey even mentioned in the post game that that play they felt like was just like Nico Ramirez' punt return in the championship game where it just kind of broke the game open, totally changed the uh, the consistency of the game where now Fresno state's up two scores and, Then they get a stop and another score right in the open the third quarter. So um, it still got pretty close at the end. But that play really shifted just about everything. And as mentioned, Jalen Gill had a pretty nice return as well. Boise State ran the fake punt, which was really well executed. It was interesting. The Bulldogs had two punt returners back there, which I don't remember them doing all season. And uh, I guess they left open a little room for, for the Broncos to execute a fake punt. And when you saw that play, it was just like, uh-oh, here's classic Boise State. And here they come. And uh, fortunately, it didn't bite them or anything. But yeah, special teams, a big part. And once again, I mean, you think back to the 22 championship with Armijo, the 18 championship with Matt Boteng blocking that extra point, and Asa Fuller kicking a field goal in the snow. I mean, these games are tight against the Broncos, and special teams usually uh, has been a factor in a lot of them.
0: Well, and another big factor was, of course, the 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 fan base. Uh, Jackson, I know the week before we were harping on the uh, fan base for uh, not not only not showing up, but not sticking around uh, for this game. For the most part, the fan base did stick around um, and they were loud. Uh, I mean, I I pointed out to you that I got a new microphone and I thought my microphone was broken because the audio levels were always all the way up on my camera. Well, come to find out, it was just because it was too dang loud in there. So it was it was constant noise, uh, which was a good thing for uh, the Bulldogs in order to to kind of rattle Boise State. Boise has not been used to that. They haven't gone places this year that it, the noise level has been at the level that it was this past weekend. And I think it did matter uh, because both quarterbacks seemed to make huge mistakes. Mm -hmm. And I I believe the crowd was a huge factor, right, Jackson? Yeah,
1: big kudos to the crowd. Um, I mean, they were loud just about every play on defense, and uh, they were quiet on offense, which is good. (laughs) (laughs) I know there's a few uh, people I recognize on social media where – trying to play defense against the wave getting started on the offense when it's right. not supposed to be. So uh, collectively, the red wave came through, and uh, Coach Tedford said it was completely different than the rest of the games this year, and he was very happy with the red wave. Could be a few more people in their seats before kickoff, and <laughs> right. maybe a, a few more, say, all the way to the end. There's a, quite a few empty seats when the Bulldogs are getting ready to defend an onside kick. And, I mean... They might have needed a full house to get that last stop. Thankfully, they didn't. But um, for all intents and purposes, big kudos to the Red Wave. And I hope the Red Wave gets uh, rewarded with a 2 p.m. kickoff for the last home game, <laughs> which is on the table. That's either going to be at two or 7:30 for the last week of the home schedule uh, on the regular season, and uh, that'll be announced on Sunday. Which one the or yeah, which one the Bulldogs get? So.
0: I don't know, Jackson. I kind of like the late kickoffs. I, I, I like night games. Um, I've never been a huge fan of day games for whatever reason. I don't know. Maybe it's because you going back to high school football, all games are always played on, on nights. So I'm kind of used to watching them at night. So I don't know. I have mixed feelings about that. Uh, day games? Eh, we'll see. if If it's a day game and the crowd shows up, then... By all means, uh, yeah, let's let's do a day game. But if, if they do a day game and people still don't show up, <laughs> there's no point. <laughs> uh, but, you know, this is uh, definitely going to be a, one that we're going to have to figure out what's going to happen there. It all depends. It all comes down to how the Bulldogs play the next two games, um, depending or the, how they play in San Jose. If they play in uh, San Jose, come away with a win, then really um, – the the network is really gonna take a hard look at that because that's gonna that game's gonna mean more because it could possibly mean that the Bulldogs clinch a title uh, a title game um, by winning next week. So even before getting to San Diego, Jackson, right? There's a possibility that could happen. They could clinch a, a championship game uh, with a little bit of help this upcoming week. So the scenarios are there, and we're probably going to go over that once we hit into the Mountain West coverage at the end of the podcast. So stick around for that as we kind of give you the different scenarios of what the Bulldogs need to do to get to a championship matchup.
1: But Speaking of that, one thing, if the Bulldogs do play 730 against New Mexico, it's not hopeless because the Mountain West championship game is going to be at noon. So if the Bulldogs make it and they host... There's your afternoon game there. So come cheer the Bulldogs on at nighttime so that they get that game. (laughs) There you go. And and we're definitely going to break
0: down what it's going to take for the Bulldogs to get there. Uh, Again, that's going to be at the end of the podcast. uh, So stick around for that. Uh, But Jackson, before we start heading in that direction, let's take a look look at some of your keys uh, to the victory that the Bulldogs had over Boise State and just how easily it could have turned the other way.
1: Yeah, I mean, for me – the biggest part was, I mean, they. My concern going into that game was that if Boise State could get kind of everything going, if their quarterback Maddox Madsen started throwing the ball around and they were running it all over the place and they kind of bent but didn't break, I mean, they gave up, uh, what, well, almost 500 yards of offense, which isn't great, but um, they were. Able to contain the Broncos. I mean,
0: yeah, I think the key part was they were able to slow down the running game. I think the total
1: for their their running back was seventy five yards. I think right yeah. around there. Um, yeah, and they had one uh, one rush of over twenty yards, which came from the quarterback uh, on that touchdown at the end. <laughs> right. So, um, I mean, that's the thing that Fresno State, for my money, has done so well this year is that they play teams that make big plays. And they don't give up the big plays. And then, I mean, that those offenses have to grind and they don't have the pieces and the other areas to make up for it. I think the prime example here is the passing game where Eric McAllister caught eight passes for 85 yards, who is, played his last game as a Bronco. He quit the team after the game. And Spoilers. <laughs> but, I mean, they really had no other option uh, beyond him. And... You know, the only team that's been able to really sling it around on the Bulldogs has been Utah State, who had three really good receivers. Um, and so you combined a solid performance in run defense with uh, a good enough performance against the pass. And, I mean, it's hard to outscore the Bulldogs on a given game. And we saw that with UNLV, um, with Purdue even. Um, Utah State, a little bit of a different animal, but um, – I mean, most teams just don't have enough weapons, I think, to attack this Fresno State defense to win games. And so as long as the defense shows up, you know, and they don't get kind of pushed around like they did at Wyoming for a couple of quarters, uh, I mean, they the game plan works here for the Dogs. And then on the other side, um, I mean, the passing game to start off, the running game to finish things, uh, I think the biggest factor for me is probably just the. What we're seeing from the receiver room, I mean, Eric Brooks did not catch a single pass in this game, and <laughs> yeah, something's
0: something's off there. I mean, he was he was uh, the man, the weapon uh, at the beginning of the season, and all of a sudden he's kind of just disappeared into the background. Is it because the other receivers are now uh, showing up for these games, or is it there? Is there something going on with Brooks that we're not aware of?
1: Um, you know, he was hurt earlier in the season, but he should be 100% now, or at least close to it. He's playing, uh, I mean, about what the amount of snaps he was playing earlier in the year, um, splitting up maybe a little bit more with Jalen Gill. But that's um, interesting, too, because as we've seen other receivers pop up, kind of the argument we've heard from the coaches is that now that these guys are doing well, I mean, they can't put two or guys on Brooks or really focus on him so that he's going to be open. And that part hasn't happened quite yet, but... The other receivers continue to step up. I mean, Josiah Freeman with that one-handed catch, that was nuts. And I was right there for a picture, which made me happy.
0: (laughs) I believe that's the second week in a row that he has done that with a one-handed catch here at home. Uh, He he did the exact same thing the previous game where he caught it one-handed. You almost want to go up to him and tell him, hey, you can't do that every time because you're going to drop one
1: of those. (laughs) Uh, I mean, that was a huge – he had another big one at Utah State, too. I mean, he's been just a, a huge influx of uh, weaponry for the dogs here as of late. Magdalena six catches for 85 yards. Trey Watson had a couple of big catches. Jalen Moss, who kind of like Gill, had bigger games early in the year but still played a part here. Um, Gill a couple of catches. So, I mean, they have that, – that's probably the impressive thing about the Bulldogs here is that when you look around the Mountain West – most teams seem to only have like one really good receiver, uh, maybe a couple other t- a tight end to go with it. I mean, and, besides Utah State, I don't see many other receiving units that are deep like the Bulldogs. And Boise now has none. Yeah. <laughs> no. Uh but uh it's yeah, it's definitely
0: what we're starting to see is Fresno State. You know, a lot of people were were talking about how they lost a lot of their wide receiver weapons last year, and you know, how you know they weren't going to be as good this year. However, uh, we've come to find out that the other guys that were on the roster, uh, they're pretty damn good to them themselves. So um, they're starting to really make. Uh, nightmares for these defenses to try and figure out because now, like you mentioned, if they're doubling Brooks, which has made him fairly quiet. Well, guess what? Now the other guys are open. So, uh, something's going to have to have to give here, which is going to be an issue for San Jose when Fresno state comes to town, because now it's pretty much pick your poison. You know, do you double cover Brooks, leave the other wide receivers open? Do you roll the defense to cover more against the run? Uh, you know it right now everything is working on all cylinders and it's going to make it very difficult for teams to kind of key up on a certain aspect of Fresno State's offense and that's I don't know Jackson I don't know about you but that is music to my ears (laughs) to hear that Uh, so this is going to be really a really key matchup coming into San Jose and we're going to start working on that one right now uh you know you've got we've got san jose state uh, the game's going to be in san jose and from what i'm looking at by the time it's kickoff we're going to be in the mid 60s for that game jackson so not not too much off of what it would be if we were here in fresno um so weather shouldn't play a factor right jackson
1: yeah it shouldn't i mean it's going to be about as similar as possible this week let looking at the forecast now as the team practices i mean Again, that time of year, <laughs> it's it's uh, unusually similar in Fresno than it is in San Jose. So um, not going to be too cold, uh, but dress warm for fans that make the trip. Um, and for those that are making the trip, it, it's a little bit of an interesting setup right now. San Jose State has taken out that one side of the stands where the Bulldogs usually would have their fans behind them in past years. So um, it's you've got f- seats from end zone to the home bleacher uh, home bench back around the other end zone. And the Bulldogs are kind of going to have their fans in one corner. of the that stadium. So, um,
0: well, if, if the fans have anything to say about that, they'll have most of that stadium to themselves. Um,
1: <laughs> um, yeah. And the capacity is only about 20,000. So um, I know they sold out Their San Jose state sold out against Oregon state at the Beavers. I was there for that game. They brought a lot of fans for that game. So, um make sure if you're wanting to go <laughs> you snag up a couple of tickets just in case yeah, buy your
0: tickets before heading to San Jose because you might end up getting there and uh, not having a place to sit. So, uh, and then you're gonna have to go find the nearest bar to go watch the game at. Uh, but uh, yeah, that's definitely it's gonna a unique situation. I believe it's because of construction happening over at San Jose, right, Jackson?
1: Yeah, and they've completed the project. Um, there's a big team facility. It's like seventy million dollar facility that. Uh, is you're going to see behind the field when you look from the side with the stands. Um, It's got their team locker rooms. They've got a a cafeteria, coaches offices, uh, a couple other teams share that building too. So, I mean, it's a really nice venue. And I mean, one of the better offerings you're going to find in the Mountain West as far as team facilities, but it is an odd thing to have in a stadium. (laughs) And so um, those coaches' offices that face the field turn into suites, so you'll see some Spartan fans hanging out there with a nice view, balcony style, and uh, there's some patio furniture on the side. Um, There is a grass berm, which there should not be anyone using because (laughs) the sod's still sitting in, so they're not having anyone there. The long-term plan is to turn that into some seating, but right now it's, you got a grass berm and a big building. So, um, there's not going to be much noise coming from behind the bulldog bench, which is a, a little bit of a wrinkle for them.
0: Well, that might be a good thing. I mean, uh-huh. uh, you don't got people screaming at them, at least, uh, not like at Utah state, yeah. uh, where, uh, they were like, literally they could reach out and touch the bulldogs. Uh, so that's going to be a little different for them. Um, uh, but you know, uh, this this matchup for against San Jose uh, state I I know I keep saying this every single week but it is a key matchup it is a must win game again because the records are that close right now um, in the mountain West so San Jose State by all means, is not eliminated from championship contention. (laughs) So they're still in this. So they're going to want this game as much as the Bulldogs. Um, And so they're going to be coming out firing uh, against Fresno to try and give them their best shot. And so, Jackson, let's go ahead and start breaking this one down. We've got Fresno State's offense taking on San Jose State's defense. Do they have enough on defense to cover all the different weaponry for Fresno State?
1: Yeah, that's going to be a big test for them. Um, they come off of a shutout at Hawaii, which is, you know, the Rainbow <laughs> Warriors aren't very good this year, but they usually score some dang points. So yeah. <laughs> zero against the UH is pretty impressive. Um, but, um, you know, before I get into the defense, I just want to kind of run down what the Spartans have been this year because they're four and five, and yet they're only one-point underdogs in this game, which <laughs> I know has a lot of Bulldog fans scratching their heads and, um, not expecting that line and uh, you know, this is a team I also cover for 24 seven sports. I'm there a lot in the spring and the fall covering practices and seeing what's going on and uh, covering some of the games when the Bulldogs aren't home or they have a bye or uh, if it's Friday and I get to San Jose state, I'm back to Valley children's stadium on Saturday. So, um, Simply put, I mean, they had to go to USC to start the season, and then they came home to play Oregon State. <laughs> and neither of those games went very well, as you might understand. Um, Fresno State lost those exact two games last year against those teams. So I think we can all understand that. Um, they won an FCS game. Then they had to go to Toledo, a Toledo team that's 8 and 1 right now. And the Spartans blew it, to be honest. <laughs> they lost 21 17. They should have had it, they controlled most of that game. Uh, Then they hosted Air Force at the peak of what the Falcons have been this year. They got beat up pretty good in that game. And then they had to go to Boise State. So if the the schedule wasn't hard enough already, the Mountain West gave them the two worst games to start off the season with. And they go to Boise, and they're up 27-7 to and find a way to lose. So um, 1-5 to start the year is, I think, understandable when you look at who they played. But can a team keep it together after going through that? And they have, they've been able now, once they've finally got to the easier part of their schedule, they've pretty much beaten up the last three teams they faced. Two of them were Hawaii and New Mexico, but... <laughs> I don't think those count. <laughs> but I, I will say, after we went to Utah State, uh, saying me and Lucio, not we, we yeah. as in the Bulldogs, yeah. <laughs> so we, we saw that game. Uh, I went to, Utah, uh, went to San Jose State the next week, just super excited to see what the Spartans and the Aggies would do against each other. I thought it would be a shootout, a crazy game. And the Spartans made the Aggies look like a shell of what we had seen from them the previous week. So um, that was an impressive defensive performance. Um, so they're four and five, but they're three and two in conference, and they play Fresno State and UNLV, the one loss teams in conference. So if they beat both of those teams, I mean, they essentially have a potentially a tiebreaker in a big two loss tie at the end of the year. So they're alive. They're feeling good about themselves right now, despite being under five hundred. Um, and there's also a little bit of desperation to make sure that they do get at least six wins to go to a bowl game. Um, So um, this is a pretty decently talented team. I think the biggest issue here is that they did lose Justin Lockhart, their star receiver, who was one of only the two preseason Mountain West wide receivers uh, all conference to start the year. He got hurt in full camp, hasn't played a game. And so they are missing a big piece on offense, but When you look at what they're doing defensively for Fresno state's matchup here, they were so good on the D line last year and they, all those guys basically graduated, um, ones with the Dallas Cowboys, junior Fajoco. uh, their starting D line is pretty solid. They still have some guys there, uh, but they don't have much depth. And so I think that we could see that play itself out over the course of the game. I think the Bulldogs might be able to probably run the ball a bit better in the second half with some of that depth gets a little bit tired. Um, At linebacker, they're also missing a a couple of pieces from last year. Kyle Harmon has graduated. Um, Not a bad group of linebackers, not necessarily over-the-top great either. And in the secondary, you've also got one corner I'm really impressed by, um, Javion Cole. uh, He's a transfer from Cal Poly, and he has been really impressive. I I didn't expect him uh, to be that good. Um, He makes a lot of plays. Uh, in the running game, he's also got three interceptions on the season, so uh, he's one to definitely watch. Um, they've got a, about three, four, five different corners that they've tried to play throughout the year. All are okay, but uh, there's kind of a reason they're cycling through those guys that, uh, who play playing the hot hand there. And they've got two sixth-year safeties. One guy that's been there at San Jose State for six years was a star on that championship defense in 2020. And, um, you know, they they're veterans, but um uh, Trey Jenkins I'm referring to they're veterans but the safety play hasn't been over the top great either it's to me an above average defense and I just don't think that's good enough against Fresno State I I think the Bulldogs are going to be able to do enough in the passing game and on the ground to stay pretty balanced and um probably gonna have to grind for some long drives but I I think this game plays out pretty similarly to what we've seen the last few weeks where you're still gonna score 30 plus and the defense is going to be good enough to make that a W
0: yeah it's definitely one of those games where we kind of uh, are expecting uh, Fresno State's offense to be able to put up some points the other question was whether or not um, uh, the the defense was going to be able to 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 slow them down enough for Fresno State to actually uh, win this one comfortably and um I think Fresno State's uh defense is going to do a lot to to really slow things down and help Fresno State's offense score these points. So let's let's change the matchup. You got Fresno State's defense against San Jose State's offense and just how do they these guys match up?
1: Yeah, so as mentioned, they're missing Justin Lockhart, who was one of the best receivers in the conference going into this year, and they might have had a really good one-two punch if he stayed healthy because the receiver that has stepped in has had a heck of a year, uh, Nick Nash, who was their quarterback, a backup quarterback and a Wildcat quarterback for a lot of the last few seasons, started quite a few games in replacement of injured quarterbacks. He's a six-foot-three receiver now. He's super fast, and he's got 500 yards and seven touchdowns on the season. Um, so, I mean, he's a tough cover with his speed and his size. He's a good jump ball receiver. Um, he's impressive. But the Bulldogs have kind of just gone through that the last couple of weeks. They've played uh, McAllister at Boise State, the one really good receiver um, who got his numbers but didn't quite impact the game enough to put Boise State over the top. Same thing with Ricky White at UNLV, one really good receiver, got his numbers, still didn't wasn't enough to beat the Bulldogs. I think it's pretty similar here. Um, they don't ha- really have a go-to number two receiver. In fact, um, their top five receivers, you've got two, uh, yeah, the top five receivers on the team statistically include two running backs and a tight end. So uh, Dominic Mazzotti, the tight end, is the one interesting wrinkle here. They've also got Sam Olson, who's from Visalia, who's pretty good receiving tight end. Uh, those two guys can impact the game, and, uh, attack you from some different places than your typical receivers. But um, this is still an offense that's going to rely heavily on just Chevin Cordero making plays at quarterback with his arm, with his legs. Uh, there were two running backs they've got. Kyrie Robinson's a veteran. Quali Conley's a newcomer, but he's from Fresno, so we expect him to be pretty amped up for this game. Um, he's been a big addition for the Spartans. Uh, they only had one good running back last year. Now they've got two. They're using both of those guys Um, they'll run it pretty consistently with those two out of the shotgun. They'll throw it, check down to them a lot. Um, So it's an offense that's not too dissimilar from what the Bulldogs do. They're going to be in shotgun most of the game. They're going to have three receivers on the field a lot of the time. Uh, They're going to try and run from shotgun to balance the pass. Um, But it's a little more quarterback-oriented. I mean, Chevin Cordero is going to be the guy with the ball in his hands all game long, and they're going to rely on him to lead the offense. And they have improved their O-line a bit since last year. In fact, uh, I mean, David Perales totally demolished the Spartans last season. And the tackle that he went up against is not active right now. So, by default, they have a different offensive tackle there. Um, And, of course, the Bulldogs don't have Perales anymore. So, that advantage, I would expect, would be a bit neutralized this time around. Um, Not the best O-line, but much better than last year. They gave up 40-plus sacks last year only given up 17 this year. So, um, I mean, they're doing well there. Cordero's only thrown three picks all season long. So when you've got a sixth-year quarterback who has scored more touchdowns in Mountain West history than anyone else, that's what you're going to kind of expect. So um, It's a Spartan team that's not going to make many mistakes on offense, but it's not overly explosive. Um, I I think the biggest key in this matchup is going to be can the Spartans run the ball because that's where they become extra dangerous. And as of late, they've started running it pretty well. They ran for 217 yards against Hawaii their last time they played. um, Against Utah State, they also got some success on the ground. They ran for um, 250 yards. Uh, 50 of those came from Cordero. Um, So that's the key for me. I mean, the Spartan team, they love to throw the ball around. That's basically what they've been under Brent Brennan as a pass-heavy team, but... When they get hot on the ground, they become extra difficult to stop. And I don't think this running game is as good as Boise State's. I don't think it's as good as UNLV's. I think Fresno State's going to be able to handle it as long as they can get enough players in the box, make sure Cordero uh, isn't manipulating the numbers on the field and throwing it around more than he usually does.
0: Yeah, and this one should be interesting to see how how the defense uh, kind of matches up and how things are going because the key, I believe, is going to be pressure on the quarterback, um, just like uh, what happened last week where Fresno State was actually able to get in in uh, get in there on the quarterback and forced a lot of bad throws. So to speak, and ended up uh, Fresno State ended up coming up w- with a, a, a few interceptions. Could have had more if they would have held on to the ball, uh, but a couple of those were dropped. Um, but it's um, it was it was uh, quite a sight to see how the Bulldogs were able to kind of get in the backfield, force the quarterback, and make the play uh, d- defensively uh, with the the cornerbacks. So again, that's going to be another key. Fresno State's going to need to put pressure on. San Jose State's uh, quarterback. Uh, you know, granted, you're saying they don't really have a a, a key wide receiver that is the biggest threat because he is out. However, if the quarterback has all day to throw, I'm pretty sure he's going to find the open man, right, Jackson? <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, and that's a big part too because um, you know, again, pressure was huge last time against the Spartans. Uh, Cordero did throw a pick in that game against the Bulldogs. Um, that was kind of uncharacteristic and. In a game that was only 17-10 to was a a big part of it. And for me, I think turnovers, which a lot of times goes hand-in-hand with pressure, is going to be the biggest factor in this game because Fresno State has gotten some key turnovers in these last few games that have been pretty close. Um, The Bulldogs are third in the nation in turnover margin. The Spartans are sixth. So these are two teams that (laughs) Uh usually when, when they win, it's usually because they handle turnovers well and... So there's not going to be a lot of giveaways, most likely, in this game. And if a team does uncharacteristically characteristically cough it up a couple of times, it could cost them. Yeah, so that's why Vegas has thrown out the records. <laughs>
0: They're pretty much saying this uh, is a rivalry game, and it doesn't really matter who uh, has the better record or not. Um, they They are having a hard time picking a winner, so they picked one by one point. So that's what they're doing, Um, and because both teams have uh, great uh, defensive stats, like you were mentioning there, um, it uh, it really makes it hard to to decide on who's going to be the winner. However, there always has to be there can only be one winner, so somebody's going to have to win the turnover battle, and I have my money on Fresno State. Uh, that's where I'm putting it, they they have the playmakers to make the plays, uh, they have proven it week in and week out, um, you know, they did it against Boise, um, they've done it just about almost every single game this season, uh, a big turnover has really changed the, the, the complexion of the game, um, and so, I, I'll put my money on Fresno State, yeah, that's, I I, that's where I'm going with but again another key factor that may play a role Jackson is going to be special teams again Um, no uh, last week it came up big do we need more of that to come up
1: big again this week I mean certainly could be the case Um, I know from the Spartan side uh, they've gotten They had a really tough time with field goals last year. I mean, (laughs) they would just go for it on fourth down sometimes. And they brought in a kicker from Hawaii, Kyler Halverson, a transfer. And he's 6-for-10 right now, so they're still not kicking a lot of field goals. But um, they haven't kicked one longer than 41 all year long. And, again, this is a game where if Fresno State can kind of bend but not break on defense, not give up those big scores, they might force the Spartans to – kick some field goals or go for it on fourth down in the red zone or just outside of it. So I think that's probably where this game is going to be impacted most there. Um, but I am curious to see what the dogs can do special teams wise. Um, as far as maybe letting Lake Sherrod try returning another kick this week and, uh, what else they can do. Jalen Gill as well. Also cracked one pretty good last week. So, um, I feel like there's a little more juice in the return game right now than we've seen prior to last week. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, this is going to be –
0: it's going to come down to um, a mere inches in this game in order to find out who is going to come out on top. Do you expect this to be uh, a, as close as Vegas is predicting or do you expect that one of these teams is going to pull away at some point?
1: Yeah, well, I mean – I don't expect a one point f- final margin, <laughs> but I think it's going to be very similar to what we've seen the last few weeks. Where I feel like Fresno State probably wins this game by a score, and it'll be close all the way till the end. And the Bulldogs, I think, will have just enough control to get by, um, barring anything unusual. Um, you know, if the Bulldogs come out flat like they did against Wyoming, if they have some unusual turnovers this game can get away from them very easily. But I think when you go down each matchup, start to finish on this team, so these two teams, I think Fresno state has what it takes to edge the Spartans, just like they did against Boise state, like they did against UNLV, like they did against Utah state. Um, But it's not a guarantee by any means. (laughs) We've seen what can happen in a quarter or two at Wyoming. Um, You know, the, you take a couple of key plays away from any of those wins against Boise and UNLV and Utah State. I mean, those games, any of them, could have been losses pretty easily if you flip a player or two the other direction. But I think that's the charm of this Fresno State team is that um, they're not as talented as last year's offense was, but just they're experienced. They've got this strong coaching staff. They've all been together now for two years. They're in a groove. And it just feels like it all comes together to where they're going to make another play or two more than an equal opponent is going to make.
0: Yeah, this is uh, definitely going to come down to one or two key plays of the game. And, of course, we're going to wait until that game to, to see what happens. I mean, we can sit here and speculate all day long, but uh really it's going to come down to who wants it more on saturday and uh you and i will pretty much be able to kind of tell who's more fired up once we hit the once they hit the field we'll kind of figure that one out fairly quickly uh so um just uh, if you are heading to San Jose, make sure you get your tickets in advance uh, prior to heading up to this game because, like we said before, uh, there may not be a seat left for you if you try and buy a ticket uh, upon arrival. So make sure you're planning accordingly. Now, Jackson, now, now that we've gotten that out of the way, <clears throat> we need to kind of take a look and see what's going on in the Mountain West because there's a lot that, uh, that could go into this game. And can really be a factor um, for Fresno State uh, heading into this game. I mean, we're we'll, we're gonna go back and take a look and see what happened last week and uh, what it uh, what it meant for the Bulldogs. Now, last week we had Colorado State taking on Wyoming. Wyoming came away with that win uh 24 to 15. Kind of we kind of wanted to see Wyoming stumble here against Colorado State. It didn't happen. Wyoming is still right on Fresno State's heels and uh how do you feel about that, Jackson?
1: <laughs> uh-huh. I mean, yeah, it was only a three-point game at halftime um but you know, Wyoming has really taken care of business at home and they did it again. They haven't been very good on the road. So we'll see if they do trip up some more before the season's over. But um, Colorado State at three and six. I'm still seeing them in some bowl projections. Uh, they've got San Diego State, Nevada, and Hawaii to finish the year. So um, don't write off the Rams quite yet for postseason play.
0: Yeah, they may still have a shot at, uh, at getting into a bowl game. Now, the next game, Jackson meant a lot to Fresno State. Not so much for the Mountain West as a whole, but a lot for Fresno State. Um, Air Force took on Air Army, and uh, Air Force was absolutely manhandled by Army. I watched that game, and Army just looked like they were on another level, even though they came into this game with a worse record than Air Force. They ended up, uh, Army ended up winning 23 to 3, Jackson. Uh, were you a little surprised
1: by that one? Yeah, and they got away from them so fast. <laughs> I'm just going to read Air Force's drive chart in which they went turnover on downs, fumble, fumble, turnover on downs, field goal, interception, punt, missed field goal, punt, fumble, interception, fumble. I mean, my goodness, I mean that was as disastrous as I ever could have imagined. Six turnovers, zero takeaways. Um, I mean, yeah, they... No one stands a chance if you play like that, no matter who you're playing.
0: No, that was definitely very lopsided. Um, you, It just did not seem like Air Force wanted to be there. Um, they just were just completely manhandled by Army in that game. Now, the next game, uh, a little bit of a surprise for me. Hawaii took on Nevada. Hawaii came out on top 27 to 14. I honestly thought Nevada was going to pull that one was going to win that game, and uh, lo and behold, Hawaii
1: comes away with a win on that one. (laughs) Yeah, Nevada ended up starting A.J. Bianco, the freshman, who's from Hawaii, which maybe they thought would give him a little bit of energy, but (laughs) I think about the only thing the Wolfpack have going for them is Brandon Lewis's legs at quarterback, and by the time they put him in, he went one for nine from uh, throwing the ball around. So, um, yeah, uh, Hawaii came out, and the game was – like three to zero till almost halftime. And then I think UH got some confidence, just the fact that it was close and uh, really took off from there. So um, I was glad to see Hawaii bounce back a little bit. They've been on a rough street. Yeah, that uh, definitely uh, is a little bit of a bounce back for
0: them. So good for Hawaii. I mean, we don't have to face them this year, so that's (laughs) even better. Um, I hate it when we have to travel to Hawaii. It's just not a, not good football watching. (laughs) Now, the next game, um, I was hoping New Mexico would surprise everybody and just <laughs> just take out uh, UNLV. However, UNLV ends up winning this one 56-14, and UNLV is still the one team I do not want the Bulldogs to face in the championship game. So what's your thoughts on that one, Jackson?
1: Yeah, I was. I thought maybe as much as you hope for a New Mexico, surprise that UNLV might have a hangover after losing to the Bulldogs, and that wasn't the case. They were up thirty-five-seven by halftime, so <laughs> they came out firing. Uh, they threw the ball well. They actually didn't run it all that great, but um, the the thing that I was looking out for for is that New Mexico has been kind of explosive on offense, at least the years past, and <laughs> they didn't do much against the Rebels. Nope, so, nope, nope, done, you know just kind of worry you know what what could happen when the lobos come to town that could make that game go wrong and I'm you know there's running out of ideas on how they might be able to win that one but <laughs> teams are, are finding different ways to beat them
0: yeah it's starting to look like uh that one uh for next week although fresno has ended up shooting themselves in the foot overlooking a game like that. So first they need to get through San Jose state and then take new Mexico seriously. (laughs) So, uh, but, um, after that game, there was the game between Utah state and San Diego state. That one went into double overtime and Utah state comes away with the win in, uh, at 32 to 24 and, uh, a lot closer than I thought it was going to be, but, uh, it, it does it does make me wonder uh, for that San Diego State game uh, on on the schedule still
1: yeah the Aggies finally put Cooper Lega back in he hadn't played since he threw all over the place against the Bulldogs uh, they went had gone with McKay Hillstead and he started this game Hillstead was 12 for 16 for 62 yards Lega came in due to injury and threw for 167 yards and two touchdowns on about the same amount of passes so um, I'd expect to see Lega get the call for the Aggies and maybe they look more like the team that Fresno State had to play than what they've been <laughs> since then. Yeah, so now now
0: now we head into this week and the what what is going to happen for the schedule this week. Now, the main thing that's going to be happening, Jackson, Friday's game. Friday's game is an, an important game. You've got Wyoming taking on UNLV in Las Vegas. And that one right there is going to mean a lot to the Bulldogs, uh, because it's going to put one of those teams even further behind the Bulldogs. And, and Jackson, which one do you want to lose?
1: <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> you hope they both lose by the end of the season. Um, you know, can they just tie and call it a day? Yeah. Uh, you, you know, you want the Bulldogs to have a little extra cushion in case they drop one of these games that the rest for the rest of the season. Um, For UNLV, this might be their only shot. I mean, for Wyoming, this might be their only shot. After this game, they play Hawaii and Nevada. They should win those two. Um, So for me, (laughs) I'd like to see Wyoming go down. After this game, the Rebels still have to go to Air Force, and they have to play a San Jose State team who, at the end of the season, is either going to be battling for bowl eligibility or trying to stay in the chance for the conference championship game, depending on what happens this week. So I think UNLV, I have a hard time seeing them win all three, but this might be the only chance for the Cowboys to drop one. So um, the Rebels are favored by almost a touchdown, so hopefully it works out that way.
0: Yeah, so if UNLV goes in and takes care of business, that'll knock the one team that has a tiebreaker with Fresno State a a game further behind, uh, which ultimately could be a good thing for Fresno State. However, UNLV is the team I really don't want the Bulldogs to face again. So... um, they showed a lot to me that I'm more concerned about than any other team that they have faced so far this year. I'm, I'm not even as concerned about Air Force as I am about UNLV right now. So we'll see how that one turns out. Now, the next game on the schedule, we've got Nevada taking on Utah State. Really not much that's going to uh, show up on this one other than Utah State fighting for uh, bowl eligibility. Uh, Nevada is pretty much eliminated, so Utah State needs to come out with a win in order to further their uh, their ability to get to a bowl game. So how do you see that one looking, Jackson?
1: Yeah, again, hopefully if Utah State rules with Lega for their sake. I think if they do that... They win and they probably cover the 17 point spread they're getting right now. Yeah. So that's, uh, that's what's going to happen there. Now, the next
0: two teams, San Diego State taking on Colorado State. This game means a, well, it means a, about the same to both teams at this point uh they're both 3 and 6 overall uh they both need to win every single game left on the schedule in order to become bowl eligibility b- become bowl eligible um do you see enough out of either one of these teams to actually um to, to actually
1: make a challenge here well you know San Diego State has now lost 6 of their last 7 And the one that they won, they probably shouldn't have. (laughs) Hawaii turned the ball over four times. Um, Colorado State is on a fairly similar streak. They lost four out of five. And the one that they won at Boise State, or versus Boise State, they got about as lucky as you can get. Um, Yeah, I I think there's more fight left in the Rams. I I think San Diego State's close to throwing in the towel on this season, and they got to play Colorado State. Here on the road, they got to go to San Jose State. They got to play Fresno State. Um, I'm not sure if there's going to be much fight, and probably already eliminated from bowl eligibility by the time the Bulldogs go to San Diego. Yeah, so that's really gonna, really
0: gonna, not really mean much for the Bulldogs in that game. Uh, The next game, you got uh, New Mexico taking on Boise State. Now this one's going to be in Boise. I don't really see much going in New Mexico State's favor. However, I would love to see New Mexico put another hurting on Boise State uh, and uh, further, you know, hurting their chances of becoming bowl eligible. Do you, do you see a glimmer of hope there at all, Jackson?
1: <laughs> I mean, it's going to be a challenge for Boise State just to come out and be focused with everything going on over there. Um, <laughs> yeah, if you haven't been reading the board, it's a complete shit show happening over there right now. <laughs> yeah, so... We'll see. I don't think the X's and O's wise, the Lobos don't have a chance, but sometimes you get into these games and with the intangibles and the emotions and it goes the other way. Yeah. So that one, that one, we'll see what happens there.
0: Now the last game uh, other than Fresno state, San Jose is air force and Hawaii. Now uh, we're still looking for air force to trip up one more game. Does Hawaii have enough to, to, to actually do this against air
1: force? One thing Hawaii can do is they can hit you with, like, a 50-yard touchdown from just about any given play and uh, through the air. And Air Force is not the team that wants to be playing from behind, as we just saw this past week. They dug themselves in a hole against Army and never got out of it. So, um, I mean, that's one way Hawaii could win this game. But I I mean, the Rainbow Warriors are having a tough time on defense, and this Air Force triple option is pretty tough to stop. So, I have – the Falcons haven't looked like themselves the last couple of weeks, but I anticipate they're going to run it all over the place and control this one, and And they're favored by a 19. Uh, they probably cover that in my mind. All
0: right, so that brings us now to the other uh, portion of the Mountain West coverage. Now that leaves Air Force at 5-0 and o conference and fresno state and unlv four and one in conference uh with fresno state having the tiebreaker Uh, both air force and fresno state are eight and one overall unlv is seven and two um so that still may play a factor later on into um into this season then behind them they've got wyoming boise state san jose state all at three and two in conference play Uh, Wyoming six and three Boise four and five and San Jose four and five. All three of those teams still have an outside chance uh, still can make up some ground, especially if air force ends up dropping a game uh, or two games Uh, that could open it up for any one of these other teams to kind of slide in there. If air force ends up losing a game um, to say UNLV, well, guess what? Now it's Fresno state UNLV in the championship game. Uh, and that's something that I didn't want to see. And then that championship game would end up being here in Fresno. Now, uh, Jackson, I can go on and on all day long, but uh, you know, what are some of these other scenarios that you're looking at in order the path for Fresno state to get to that championship game and to host
1: it? Yeah. Well, right now, um, I mean, just take care of business when these next three and you should be in, um, (laughs) If there is a three-way, seven-and-one tie between Fresno State Air Force and UNLV, it's going to go to the computers, which at the very least should have Fresno State and Air Force one and two. I I don't know exactly who would host because, uh, I mean, you have to factor in Air Force dropping this past week and probably dropping again in the computers with a second loss. I don't think UNLV would be able to catch either, so it would still be Bulldogs and Falcons, but where it would be, not 100% sure. Um, Just a composite of computer polls would tell everyone (laughs) what's going to happen, which is rather ridiculous, but uh, that's the only way to do it in these cases when you don't have a true round robin. Um, There's some wild scenarios out there. I got one for you. If uh, (laughs) San Jose State wins out, if Boise State wins out, and if UNLV beats Air Force, would, there would be a five way tie for first at six and two. <laughs> so, <laughs> wow. Which is not all that crazy, but hopefully Fresno State does their job and, and you know, it <laughs> doesn't let San Jose State win out. I think Boise State also is not going to be able to pull things together after losing McAllister and the way things are going there. So now UNLV and Air Force still have to face each other. That's correct. Um, so. That's where things get tricky. You know, if UNLV wins and they went out, I mean, you've got a three-way tie. If UNLV loses that game, Fresno State and Air Force are locked in, but it's probably in Colorado Springs. So um, Air Force also has to play Boise. So um, it's not quite exactly control of your own destiny if it gets into that three-way tie, but um, Fresno's
0: in the best position possible. Uh, They just need to keep winning. Exactly. As long as they win all three games, they're in. Um, but, uh, in order to get a championship game here in Fresno, they need a little help. Uh, they need air force to at least lose one game. Now, do we want them to lose against UNLV? Maybe not. Preferably, you know, they lose this week and we won't have to worry about it. Right. (laughs) Um, but, but that is going to be one of those very weird scenarios as to what is going to happen who is gonna, you know, who's gonna be hosting? This could turn into the Wild West um, <laughs> here in the last two to three weeks. One thing we know for sure, Jackson, is no matter where the championship game is gonna be, somehow, one way or another, you and I are gonna be there. <laughs> depending on where it's gonna be, <laughs>
1: yep.
0: uh, if Fresno gets in, that's where we're gonna be. So uh, right now, we're trying to figure out if we need to book an airline ticket or if we're just going to be. Uh, chilling out here at home. Um, So uh, preferably the second one, Jackson. I Mm -hmm. I mean, that's,
1: that's kind of what I want to see. And I will say (laughs) in that six and two tiebreaker, the Bulldogs probably get in based off the computer. So um, any sort of tie for second place with two losses, if Fresno state were to lose this week, probably favors the Bulldogs outside of a head to head with the San Jose state and, hypothetical if they were to lose this weekend so they could still get in with two losses assuming UNLV goes down or if Air Force were to drop two
0: all right so here's the other scenario what has to happen for Fresno State to clinch it either this week or next week
1: let's see um <laughs> I know I just threw a curveball at well, you they got to beat
0: San Jose State they got them out yeah they got to beat San Jose State um, Air Force needs to lose uh UNLV needs to
1: lose <laughs> Um, (laughs) if the Bulldogs can beat San Jose state, if UNLV beats Wyoming and then the next week, if Boise state loses at Utah state, which I think is possible, um, it would at least whittle it down to three teams. And it's hard to find a scenario where the Bulldogs get left out if they went out and it's air force and UNLV in some combination at the end. So if these current two lost teams can all kind of get kicked out of the way, it bodes well for the Bulldogs within even a two-week span. So if Wyoming,
0: Boise, and San Jose State <laughs> all lose this week, it'll be a three-team 3, three team race at that point. Mm-hmm. It'll yeah. be uh, Air Force, Fresno State, UNLV. Um, and then Air Force and UNLV still have to play, play each other, and I,
1: I think that happens next week, right, Jackson? Um, yes, because Air Force will finish with Boise.
0: And then if Fresno ends up even if Fresno doesn't win and one of those teams loses, they could pretty much (laughs) clinch the spot.
1: Yeah. It's not out of the possibility (laughs) to have it wrapped up before San Diego.
0: Yeah. So uh, things can still happen. There's, there's a lot of puzzle pieces on, (laughs) uh, on the board right now. Jackson and I are trying to figure out which ones we can just slide (laughs) across the the board and get them off. Uh, You know, one thing's for sure. Anything below uh, three and two. So from Utah state, All the teams that have already been mathematically eliminated is Utah State, Nevada, Colorado State, New Mexico, San San Diego State, and Hawaii have all been mathematically eliminated from the championship race. Leaving only six teams left, Air Force, Fresno State, UNLV, Wyoming, Boise State, and San Jose State. By the end of this week, one or two more teams are going to get eliminated from from contention at that point Uh, which ones those are going to be is yet to be seen however um i would love to see (laughs) i would love to see a couple of pieces go off the board this week so uh, keep that in mind as you look at the schedule. The key game for this week is, of course, Friday. The loser of that one is going to have a very hard time getting back into the championship race between UNLV and Wyoming. So whoever loses that one is going to have a very difficult road to get back into championship contention. So yeah, let's uh let's see what happens. Actually, you know what? It would be. I mean, if UNLV loses, that would put them at uh, for, you know, like four and two and Wyoming would be at four and two. And then only Fresno state and air force would be the only ones without two losses. <laughs> Man, Jackson, I'm starting to get a headache. <laughs> uh, so we'll keep, we'll definitely keep an eye on that. We're, you know, Jackson will probably put out some article at some point with all the different scenarios, uh, as to what could happen. So keep an eye out for that one. So Jackson, before we wrap this one up, any final thoughts,
1: yeah, I um, also wanted to mention the basketball team. Got to see them debut this week against Fresno Pacific, which is always a tough game to judge because <laughs> yes, uh, they should be playing better competition the rest of the way. But it was a little close for comfort. It was a four point game with like two minutes left. So uh, that wasn't very uh, reassuring, but. Not very confident um, boosting, is it? Yeah. Um, it's going to take a. No, probably a good month or so for this team to gel together. They played an eight-man rotation, and four of them are new transfers, so uh, there's a lot of pieces to put together. Uh, the best thing that came out of that game was Xavier Ducelle, the Wyoming transfer. He made four out of seven three-pointers. Um, this is a team that did not shoot the ball well at all last year from three-point range, so they've got at least one <laughs> this year. Uh, I don't think they'll go two of 26 anytime soon this season with with that guy on the floor uh the team as a whole, the rest of the team was two of twelve, so um get the ball to to sell and let's uh limit the threes from everyone else maybe. <laughs> um they went with a two big lineup as well. Uh Enoch Boache uh started alongside Eduardo Andre for a pair of six foot eleven bigs and um Andre had another good game as we expected, seventeen points, nine rebounds, four blocks, but uh the two of them Probably didn't take advantage the way they should have against a smaller FPU team. Um, In fact, they kind of got outmatched on the other side with FPU using five perimeter players and uh, Bulldogs two centers trying to figure out where to go (laughs) and uh, even got beat on the boards. So um, still some things to tinker with there and and figure that out. Uh, Jalen Weaver was a nice surprise. Juco previously of Nevada uh, for the Wolfpack. He had 12 points. Um, so moving forward, uh, we'll get to see some D one competition. The uh, they're going to play at Kent state at four o'clock on Saturday before the football team plays at San Jose state. So, um, if you're home, you can watch both of those games or at least follow one way or another. Um, dogs are back from Morgan state next Wednesday. Um, they go to Cancun during Thanksgiving week. So, um, no, we get a better idea of what this team is. Also wanted to shout out that we are having a quick flash sale for November 8th and 9th, Wednesday and Thursday. It's 50% off a year of VIP. Woo-hoo. The Bulldogs are 8-1. We're covering it like no one else. I mean, <laughs> if you're excited about this team and you want the scoop, we got it. <laughs> We're all over it. And uh, it's 50% off right now for a whole year. If you get in by Thursday at 9 p.m. Pacific time, uh, you'll get in on all of our insider coverage from practice we've been covering the injuries this week we got a lot of one-on-one interviews and uh, that's the norm each week for us and uh, the recruiting scoop and the insider notes from Saturday's game will win over Boise State so uh, if you're not already on VIP make sure to take advantage of that sale get you through the rest of this season through signing day through basketball through spring coverage through most of the next season as well so yeah that's um, only a uh, like 50 bucks with the 50% off for a whole year so hope you take advantage of that absolutely it makes a great stuff a great uh, stocking stuffer so uh,
0: (laughs) if you have that someone that is interested in it and you want to just give it to them as a gift uh, by all means (laughs) enjoy I mean right now it's pretty much unprecedented we've got a number of people on staff working Fresno State Angle and getting as much information as we can over to you um so uh it's an exciting time uh for fresno state football so be a part of that by knowing exactly what's going on behind the scenes uh because you're not going to get it anywhere else other than here at thebarkboard.com uh i mean you're going to get some news from the local media but you're really not going to get much news they're they're only going to tell you what they can tell you uh jackson pretty much has the scoop behind the scenes so if you're looking for more information the premium boards is where you want to be so make sure uh, if you're on the fence give it a try you know it's uh, going to be 50 percent off what can you lose uh you're going to have all the information that you're looking for at your fingertips um and it's uh only 50 bucks for the whole year so uh Give it a shot so that being said if you're going to look for jackson you can find him on twitter at jackson moore 247 you can find me on twitter at red wave report uh if you haven't done so already head over to the uh to the facebook and 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 become a member of that community i believe we're over eight thousand strong at this point uh so uh join over there there's a lot of uh communication happening there amongst fans and also over at com where we have both free and premium subscriptions So head on over there and become a part of the conversation. I want to thank everyone for joining us and join us again next week as we continue the ongoing coverage of Fresno State Athletics.